everyone, this is ETS on the Grid. I am your host, Dylan Lockwood. We have a very special treat for you today. At Distributech 2020 in San Antonio, Texas, I had the opportunity and the privilege to sit down with five amazing women in positions of power in this industry. We recorded in the convention center, so that should explain the background noise, but in the foreground, you're going to hear the journeys of these five professionals coming into the success stories they've built for themselves, as well as the discussion about how to broadcast the opportunities for women in the industry. But enough from me, I'll pass it off to our guests, who will introduce themselves. I'm Erin Otan, I'm the Director of Research Programs at Z-Prime. Hey Dylan, it's me, your co-host, Erin Hardick, Lead Research Analyst at Z-Prime. Hi, I'm Elle Carberry, I'm at IBM in the Energy, Environment, and Utility Industries as the Director of Strategy and Sustainability. I'm Lauren Cayley, I'm a Senior Consultant at IBM in the Energy, Environment, and Utilities Industry. Good afternoon, I'm Nancy Bowie-Thompson, and I'm an elected member of the Sacramento Municipal Utility District. It's my nights and weekends job, and uh, by day, I'm the Director of Strategy, Integration, Transition at Centene HealthNet in California. Thank you all for coming uh, and sitting down to talk with us today. Going, we'll, we're going in reverse order. Nancy, we'll start with you. Uh, I want you all to tell us about, uh, a little bit about how you got to your position, a little bit about what your energy journey is. That's uh, that's part of the reason we have you all here today because you all have very uh, engaging stories that I think our listeners would love to hear. So I have a unique uh, distinction because I am an elected official. Gosh, it's now been 11 years ago. Uh, I had worked in the energy industry. So I previously worked for Anderson, Accenture, and Deloitte um, in the public sector, uh, specializing in government and utilities. And so when this position came up, um, it's typically career politicians in Sacramento, and they felt that, you know, maybe let's try to find someone that actually has experience implementing technology systems, implementing, you know, solutions at, um, at companies. I worked, um, some of my clients were Chevron Energy, the California ISO, um, and so I was asked to run. I looked at um, the dynamics of the board, and then there wasn't anybody that looked like me, had the background that I had. I was in my 20s. Um, came from a very low-income family. And so I saw this as an opportunity to not only bring my um, business acumen and experience, but just my personal personal, uh, you know, struggles of trying to survive and, and pay a bill. Um, so that is how I got to spend. So it's actually funny how I um, started in the energy and utility industry because it was my, um, I started with IBM. I was placed in the communications sector. And uh, my first project was actually at a major U.S. investor-owned utility. So I kind of fell into the industry and I realized that this is something that I really I really liked. It was a, it became a passion of mine. I come to this as sort of born and raised gal, one of seven children in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, German mother, was a naturalist from the day I was. I cared about the earth, I cared about the planet. I came out of Georgetown University and I wanted to work on environment. I got recruited by IBM. Some years later, I bought and sold a couple companies and I talked my way into a job in China. I sent my kids out the door in the pollution for six years. And after doing that for six years, I decided that I had to integrate my passion into my day job. And thus I started a company that became known as the China Green Tech Initiative, collaborative of about 200 businesses and governments working to accelerate China's green tech markets. That started in 2008, uh, carried on until 2014, uh, Mr. Hank Paulson, former CEO, chairman of Goldman Sachs, and our former treasury secretary bought my company. 
and we converted it into the Paulson Institute. Uh, I then went to Georgetown, worked on developing a sustainability institute, and I just rejoined IBM about six weeks ago in my new role, uh, wherein my boss was one of my clients and partners in this collaborative based in Beijing. So um, I've now been since 2008, so now we're talking 12 years on the journey to help accelerate the solutions to the problem and to um, address the climate crisis. I think our listeners have heard my story a few times, but I'll recount it for you ladies. I was studying uh, accounting in my undergrad at a small private college in Austin called St. Edwards University. And I realized about halfway through college that I did not want to be an accountant. Actually, I knew that was probably the last thing I wanted to do. But I was really interested in uh, sustainability. And Austin is actually a really great place to have a passion for sustainability and clean energy. So I just started going out to events, um, networking events. And I ended up meeting Mark and Jason and begged them to give me uh, a job so they gave me an internship and I started to learn how to do market research and I I found that the energy industry was undergoing this massive transformation I really knew nothing about the industry going in and I didn't I really took for granted how much energy touched our lives and really affected our cities and the sustainability of our cities and so I I, I definitely um wasn't expecting to be in energy, so it found me. But once I did, I found that I really had a passion for it, and I'm really excited to continuing to be working in this space, and especially during this time of, of transformation. Um, I started out working for the state of Texas, actually, um, more on the oil and gas side, and it was a 2011, so you know the recession was going on, so it's really just a job that I just took because I needed a job. Um, so like Aaron mentioned, that's where I really learned about how big um, a part of the economy energy really is and how it really touches everything from food, water, every aspect of our lives. Um, but I was also really more interested in sustainability, clean energy. Um, so I was part of a nonprofit in Austin um, just as a volunteer that really focused on sustainability. Um, ended up meeting Jason through that organization and then yeah, just sort of got lucky things lined up and they were looking for someone and I was looking to make a change. Y'all come to energy from the technology side and Nancy you're not as much on the technology side but we come to a lot of events we see each other at events Mm -hmm. quite often and I would say most of the time we're at these events we're walking into a room full of men and that's still the case we're here at DTech, and to be honest, if you walk the exhibit floor, there's a lot of men down there. But you guys actually have been working with more women. It seems like you have more interaction with women. Can you talk about your experience, at least, with women in, in energy? Again, my reference point is starting in China in 2008. And once we said we think there's a clean tech market, a green tech market in China, and we talked about the energy value chain. You know, the gen side, the transmission delivery, and the use side, women showed up. So I feel like perhaps when you put the word clean in front of energy <laughs> or the word sustainability, the women show up. So I think that that is perhaps one of the most game-changing aspects of not only our planet to, to think about clean, green energy, but also the roles for women in this industry. And then you put women involved, like your role, 
in government roles, the government leaders are actively involved in how cities are using energy and the new building codes and you name it. So there's a lot of women on the government side who frankly have a very big influence on what happens to energy, right? So this conference happens to be very focused on the transmission and delivery and that happens to be maybe a historically more male industry. But you add in these other roles about government and users of energy and sustainability and the IT industry, especially an IBM company, is, is, is a good place for women. So women are coming at it from different directions and more than we realize, I think the women are in this circle. We just don't see them at this particular conference. And, and I would say because my day job is in technology, um, but I've been part of this industry, you know, for, you know, being in this elected position, this is my 11th year, you know, I would say, you know, I agree to some extent. I mean, when I started 11 years ago and I walked into an American public power meeting, I mean, the SMUD team, we were like the United Colors of Benetton. We had women, we had, you know, minorities, and we jumped, you know, increased um, the minority and women ratio exponentially just by bringing our team. And so from that point to now, I, I definitely see more women, but I, I still want to see more women on the grid side and generation and not just in, you know, our green initiatives and, and communications marketing, because that's where I, 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 I traditionally did see women. Um, and as we add the sustainable communities and green components, I'm seeing more women. But where we are as a generator, I'm not seeing as much of an improvement um, as I would hope to have seen. But it really does take women seeing other women and those engineers stepping forward in those leadership positions and and saying, you know, I, too, can be a manager and I, too, can rise up from being, you know, a line engineer. And so. As more women feel comfortable in taking those leadership roles, I think we will continue to struggle, I believe, on the generation and, and just utility operation side. And so, you know, when we do go to conferences, um, you know, I'm always looking for, is there a di you know diversity initiative? Like today, we had the diversity lunch, which is great. It's the first time. Previously, we had the women an energy lunch that I was a part of in breakfast that you know I've been on the panel year, several years, that room is still very small. Mm -hmm. And so I am happy about it, but we as a collective women, we need to continue to encourage um, young women to go in the fields of STEM technology. I mean, that's how you're, we're going to make the difference, that you have what it takes right, to be a power engineer. You know, I went to Cal Poly. Um, we have you know one of the only remaining power engineering schools in the country. I mean, there were no women in the power, and still very few. And so it's a 100% employment rate for a woman, I mean, in energy, and, and telling them that, that there are jobs, you will be in high demand. So I think that is just our constant dialogue that we need to have. Um, I agree with that. I think also letting women know that it's an option to enter the energy and utility industry, because when I was job searching, I didn't, I didn't consider it as an option. And now that I'm here, I'm realizing that it's a great career. You know, and I think as more women pave the way and take on leadership roles, I think our opportunities at traditional utilities will only increase. I'm the same boat as you. I didn't even realize that it's an option. I'm not a scientist, a technologist, an engineer by you know by any means, but I didn't even realize that there were opportunities in this industry until I met folks who showed me that. We recently were at 
a high school in the Austin area for a women in STEM um, day where they're encouraging young women to join some of the STEM classes that they had available. But the, the woman at the high school who was running this day said that the majority of the kids in those classes were still males. But Aaron had pointed out that the young women that were there talking with us, they were really passionate and they were interested in, you know, what do I need to do to pursue career to pursue a career in STEM? What kind of classes do I need to be taking now so that when I go to college I'm prepared to to pursue a career in STEM? So I think the interest is there, but maybe it is just continuing to send out that message that you can really do this and there are opportunities out there. And I would say even with STEM and why you know, SMUD has really, um, you know, pushed to help develop curriculum because when you look at STEM in schools, a lot of what they're pushing young um, students is is truly the STEM, right? And not particularly power engineering and about utilities. So when I go, so I start, you know, I was a coder and that's kind of the hot hip thing that everybody wants to be, you know, developer because that's, you know, the jobs that you can get. And so what we realized that, yes, there are STEM programs, but very few of them actually have utility curriculum. And so that was, that's what we've done as, uh, you know, a, a utility partner with elementary schools, junior highs, high schools, and colleges, and especially junior colleges, is help develop utility-specific curriculum because it's not, it's not on the menu at a lot of schools. Like I said, there are very few power engineering programs left in the country. And if, you know, Davis and um, San Luis Obispo in California are, are the the last standing, um, I mean, it is it is a hundred percent employment rate where they're getting, you know, 10, 20 offers from every large utility because there's so few of them. Yeah, the, the other trend that's underway. So I've just come out of working at my alma mater, Georgetown University, for the last two years. So Georgetown is a you know the oldest Jesuit university in the United States, a leading liberal arts college, very multidisciplinary, is now embedding sustainability across all of its nine schools, the business school, the health and nursing school, the medical school, the core uh, science and, and arts, you name it, it's going across everything, right? So the word sustainability or environment is now coming into the curriculum at all levels. So I'm as happy to invite women in through that discussion. The truth is when you get underneath sustainability, it is an energy question. That's how I ended up here. I wanted to fix China's pollution. It's an energy question, right? As I said, up and down the value chain of energy. So I don't mind which part of the energy value chain people work on. I have no particular preference. You know, I just want them to work together yeah. on solving, you know, use less, use cleaner, generate cleaner, transmit it faster, you know. So, but I think women are coming in through this door sustainability. I'm a mentor to. Uh, 20 young women just for free, just on the side, who are coming out of all kinds of institutions who care about sustainability. Now, some care about food, some care about more energy. I don't care what it is, but the just point is in the door. They're in, they want to be in the door and they're drawn to the topic. Yeah, well, to that point now, even the major oil companies all have sustainability or yes. green initiatives. So, yes, yeah, I think they have to, but hopefully that helps, like you said, draw more women yeah. in. So you kind of talked all about how we each got into the industry, um, you know, whether you fell into it or chose it. What do you all have any advice for young women who are maybe just starting out their careers on what they can do to 
you know, stay in the industry and advance um, into leadership positions? Well, so I'm going to come at it again from the, a little bit broader definition. I'm going to come at it from environmental topic, sustainability topic. Many, many, many schools, middle school, high school, and upwards are adding these pieces to their curriculum, right? And so the women are coming through that door. Now, what other skills they add to that? You know, that's a, to some degree, that can be a topic lens. And they might add marketing skills, or they might add accounting skills, or they might add business management skills or engineering. Again, I'm indifferent, right? If the topic is speaking to their heart, and then they want to, you know, they grab onto whatever functional skills are most apropos to their own heart and soul, let's go together, right? Because just as much as those oil companies need the engineers, they also need the communications team, the marketing, you know, there's a whole combination of people who are needed in these entities to bring forward a new message and a new vision of how we live on this planet. For me, you know, I look at kind of the, how I was able to move up the ladder was several, several areas that I was given advice early on. I was very lucky. So I started, you know, internships in college. I knew I wanted to be in big four consulting. And so that's what I did. And and at my very first internship, um, I looked around at Anderson. I had really no women um, to support me. And so what ended up happening is I sought mentors um, that were people of, you know, of, um, you know, leading, you know, leaders in the project or leaders in the firm. And I didn't discriminate in terms of what their backgrounds were or who they were. I saw you know, opportunities and basically everybody I met. And so I, when I entered a project or a new company, I always went to the top and I would send an email to the president of the company or the lead partner on the project said, hi, I'm new. I love to learn. Can I take you out for lunch or coffee? And I can say in, I followed that in my, you know, last 20 years, I've never had anybody say no. Because I asked and I wanted to get to know about who they were and how they got there. And honestly, people love telling their story and they love giving you advice. They may not be able to be your full-time mentor. I think that's essential is having a few people in your life to mentor you. But those nuggets that you'll get from those half an hour meetings, hour lunches, I know I've kept a lot of those you know, you know, pearls of wisdom throughout my career. Another kind of way I, you know, moved up is, is I always was a person that could provide feedback, but I gave solutions. And I think that a lot of women were not comfortable speaking up at times. We want to know every detail because we have to be the smartest and the most prepared. And we just have higher standards for ourselves. But I also think that's just how our business works at times when they look at a woman, they expect her to know everything. And I also, I learned that I don't need to know every little detail to provide my input, to provide an idea. And I don't need to be the most well-researched and drive myself crazy. Um, But that speaking up at that moment, at that time when the iron is hot and providing that feedback to an executive, no matter, you know, or an analyst, it didn't, for me, I tried to just look at the situations and provide some support provide some value add. And so I think those things throughout my career have helped me, you know, make a mark, but also when people sought leaders, 
those are sort of the qualities of you know, being able to take something, being able to articulate, being able to finish a project. All of that is related to being confident enough to speak up um, and always want to help. And I think those things have served me well and the women I know around, those are the women I see are able to move up the ladder that aren't afraid to give their opinion and aren't afraid to be wrong also and fail. Because I hate to say it, the men do it all the time. They say whatever they want, but we are so cautious. So let's be a little less cautious. Yeah, I think that's really important. And um, also in my experience, what I found is sometimes you just really need to ask for help. If there's a role that you really want, go for it. Ask, you have a, someone supporting you, ask if they'll support you in taking that role. Ask for advice, see what other people think you should do. And then most likely, if they know what you want and your end goal is, they're gonna help you. They're gonna wanna help you get there. Two, two things stand out to me. One, um, relating to what Elle said, I think that this message, we we're talking about sustainability and mm-hmm. clean energy, there's value in that passion. There's mm-hmm. value in Absolutely. bringing that passion to some of these organizations that typically haven't valued it. There's a lot of value in diversity of thought, especially in these utilities that need to change and they need to figure out how to deliver services to new types of customers and how they're going to be innovative. There's so much value and passion and thought diversity that I don't think that that message is put out there enough. So I really, really appreciate that you're coming from it from that perspective because young women need to be told that your your passion and your mm-hmm. the way you think about these things mm-hmm. is going to be very impactful. And then Nancy, what you mentioned, people love to tell you things if you tell them you're interested in learning. I have I've found that out, you know, being a young research analyst in this industry, if you tell them you're here to learn, they will give you information. And that was one of the most empowering things that I learned from one of my mentors, who was my former boss, Christine Richards. She just said, you know, just go out there and ask them questions, ask them things you're interested in, and they will talk and talk and talk and they'll tell you. <laughs> um, and like I've, I have learned so much from that, just taking that position, hey, I'm here to learn. I just, I, I don't know that much about the industry, but if you can tell me what you know, hopefully I can take it and digest it and create value for other people. Um, Lauren, you mentioned something. I think it's there is a lot of power in being able to say, I don't know, because nobody knows everything. And there is a certain amount of humility in it. And I think that that resonates with other folks. You know, I don't know, but I'm willing to learn and help solve this problem if you can help me learn. So I, I, I really like you know all the, all the things that y'all have said. Enormous thanks to Aaron Otan, Aaron Hardick, Lauren Cayley, Elle Carberry, and Nancy Bowie-Thompson for sitting down with us at Distributech 2020 and having this vital conversation. As for us, you can find our research and media at zprime.com. You can find us on social media at zprime underscore research. There's still time to register for City of the Future in San Antonio coming up in a couple of weeks. For more information and for registration, please go to cityofthefuture.io. My name is Dylan, and we'll see you all next time.